Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to talk about stop-loss hunting. There's this belief out there among a lot of traders that the big money's out there to hunt out your stop losses and take your shares only to reverse the stock and send it back to all-time highs. We're going to be talking about whether that's something you should be worried about, whether or not that's something you should be considering in your trading, and whether or not it even really exists. So we'll talk about that and more for this email. We're going to call this guy Walker. Walker's from Canada. He asked me specifically for a good Florida redneck name. And Walker's a pretty good one. He writes, hey, Ryan, love the podcast. Been a loyal listener over the years. I love how you break it all down into smaller subjects and keep each episode short and simple. Well, you know, with things like Twitter and Facebook, you got to kind of keep it short these days. You can't do these three-hour podcasts unless you have something really good to talk about. And I think this is pretty good stuff to talk about, but I'm not always so sure it would be good to talk about over two or three hours. So I do keep it short. He says, my question to you and what I'd like to hear is how do traders use different styles and forms of risk management? I have made a watch list of stocks that I feel are the strongest in their respective group, growth versus value. I manage risk and controlled position sizing and only buying on pullbacks. I'm not comfortable with stop losses unless they are major supports or there has been a major story change in the stock. I find there is a lot of stop loss hunting from market makers and people get stopped out way too much. I feel more than comfortable keeping a core position and trading around it. Here in Canada, we have TFSA and tax savings account where the income is not taxed. So this strategy can be very advantageous with an account like this. I keep flipping from investor to trader and it makes for a lot of lost gains. I'm realizing that there are times to go long and times to trade. I believe now the market is too high and needs a sizable pullback before I can go long into my favorite stocks. I'll end this here as I don't want to go off too much more and take away from the main topic. All the best and keep the good work coming. Walker. All right. Thank you, Walker, for that email. I know I took a little while to get back to this one. It kind of got lost in the shuffle, which I try not to do. But the bourbon that I'm drinking today is McKenna Henry. It's been aged 10 years, which is really good for a bourbon. And it's 50% alcohol, 100 proof. And it's a small batch. And McKenna Henry, I mean, this stuff used to be cheap. You could probably get it for like $30, $40 a bottle about five, six years ago. But now... You're probably going to pay over $100 for this bottle, and it's 
pretty hard to find. Usually you got to find it on the secondary market, but it's a bottled and bond bourbon whiskey. And that's pretty cool too, because that goes all the way back to the prohibition days and the government regulations that came out of prohibition and how to make a bottle of bourbon without killing the person. Because a lot of people were dying from people who were trying to make bourbon over the course of a couple of days. Really crazy stuff. But this stuff aged 10 years and it's bottled and bond 50% alcohol. Let me tell you, though, this stuff is fierce to the nose. It burns a little bit, but it's not a bad burn. It's going to wake you up, that's for sure, but it's not, like, repugnant or anything like that. Really good flavor. It has, like, a sawdust-type flavor, a little bit of an oaky flavor. It's almost like you're drinking this stuff in the middle of a sawmill while you're supposed to be working. I mean, it's good stuff. I like it a lot. A little bit of a bite at the end. It lingers some, too. I'm going to give this thing an 8.0. I think it's a pretty good bourbon. I wouldn't call it an everyday sipper unless you can get it at retail price, which is very hard to do these days. That's usually something that's been allocated to stores in very small numbers. You can get it on the secondary market. You're probably going to be paying over $100 for it. So 8.0, pretty good. Maybe a little bit on the overhyped side because a lot of people act like this stuff is up there with Blanton's or Pappy's, and it's not, but it's a good solid 8.0. So does stop-loss hunting exist? Walker wants to know. And I'm sure it does to some degree. I'm sure when you hear about the stories of the old days about people cornering the silver market or a specific commodities market, they would try to squeeze a person out of a large short position or try to push a guy out of a big long position. Those kinds of things happen. Do I think that the market makers are saying, hey, look at Ryan and his number of shares in the Apple stock? Oh, and look, he's got a stop loss at 100. Well, first of all, they don't know who I am. Sure, they might be able to see the stuff on level two or other tools that they're looking at. But are they really looking at small-time retail traders? Not really, unless there's just a ton of traders there and it's not really a level of support. Maybe they could stop loss hunt you there and, and take you out. But then to what gain? So they can get your shares at a cheap price? Possibly. I mean, I don't think necessarily that they're always doing it just to get it your particular shares. They're just trying to get any shares at a lower price. And so, yeah, they may do some things that are a bit of trickery or whatever to get those shares. But on the whole, are they really going after you? I don't really feel like they are, guys. I know that a lot of times when we get stopped out of a trade, there's this natural tendency to want to say, oh man, they hunted my shares. And especially when we get stopped out of a stock only for it to go back up. And remember, a stock, and I've said this plenty of times in past episodes, I might even said it in the last episode. Stock knocks you out, it's going to go up or down, okay? And it may really disappoint you to see you get stopped out only for it to go right back up and it would have been a profitable position. That does happen. But there's also plenty of times, and I was talking about my previous episode about when my trading sucks, and I used two examples, TTWO and Tilray, T-L-R-Y. And what happened with both of those stocks is they continued to sell off afterwards. I'm glad I'm out of them things. They would have been much bigger losses had I not. Now, when I originally got stopped out, could I have blamed market makers? Sure. But really what happened was is the stock broke support. It broke a key level of support. It crossed the line in the sand that says, hey, the reason why I put these stop losses out there to begin with is because I know that there's the potential for the stock to go against me. And in this case, it did. So what do I do? I have a stop loss there in place in case it does. And when it triggers, it triggers because my thesis or my reasoning for getting into the stock is no longer valid. It's not because a market maker knocked me out. It's because the trade is not a valid trade setup anymore for me. And I think we got to really work on that kind of a mentality of 
okay, the reason why I got stopped out is because the trade crossed the red line that it was not supposed to cross. And that's why I got out. There's got to be a reason for why you want to get out at that level if it hits that level. We don't want it to, but if it does, you're going to have a good reason for why you're getting out at that level. And before I forget, make sure to check out SwingTradeInTheStockMarket.com. It is my patron website that supports this podcast, SwingTradeInTheStockMarket.com. We'll give you all of my market research each and every day from my daily and weekly watch lists to the most intriguing charts of the day that I come across for your benefit and updates on all the FANG stocks each week, plus updates on all the indices. So check that out, swingtradeinthestockmarket.com, and you can also get more information there. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Now, about these stop losses and stop loss hunting, a lot of people, in order to avoid the stop loss hunting, they're afraid that everybody sees their stop losses. So what do they do? They start using mental stop losses. And that's not good either because oftentimes we kind of go mental about wanting to use them. And what I mean by that is that the stock you get into, let's say you get into it at $100 and you have a stop loss at $95. You have this mental stop. Okay, if it goes down below $95, I'm going to get out. But the very reason that you're using a mental stop loss is because you're afraid it's going to get to that point and it's going to reverse back. And if you have a hard stop loss out there, it's going to be because somebody hunted out your stop losses. But you're using a mental stop loss instead and it still hits the $95 level. And what's the natural propensity there? Once it hits 95, you're going to say, well, let me just see if it reverses. Let me just see what it does here. Because I'm going to be so mad if this thing reverses on me and goes right back up to all-time highs or to the highs of the day or finishes green. So what do you do at 95? You're waiting. It's like, okay, I'm going to wait and see if it bounces. And then it doesn't bounce. It goes down to 94. It's like, oh, man, I only wanted to take a 5% loss. I can't take another 6% loss. I'm just going to let it get back to where it was before, and then I'll get out. Then it gets back to where it was before. Let's say it goes right back to 95. What are you thinking now? Holy crap, this thing's reversing. I'm staying in. It's going right back up to 100 where I got in at. Maybe even it goes to 110 over the coming days. So you stay in it. So it gets back up to 95. Maybe it gets up to 96. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't sell this thing. This thing's going right back up just like I knew it would do. But it goes back down again, down to 94 and then 93. And you're thinking, Oh, crap, I knew I should have sold it at 95. Man, I could have sold that thing at 96 and gotten out only at a 4% stop loss. Now I'm looking at a 7 or an 8% stop loss. And guys, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then what happens? You're becoming a long-term bag holder. You're becoming an investor. Your swing trade's turning into investment. That's why I don't like using mental stop losses. It's a slippery slope into bad decisions. I'd like to think that I could use mental stop losses, but I don't think I can. So what do I do? I use hard stop losses. And that's not me admitting weakness. It's just me admitting reality, the human condition. We don't like getting stopped out. You almost got to be forced out of it. So I like to put my stop losses in when it doesn't look like I'm going to get stopped out. Because at that point, it's kind of easy to put the stop losses at that point. It doesn't feel like it takes as much discipline. But then when the stock does go against you, you've got to leave those stop losses in. If you go ahead and pull it because you're getting ready to get stopped out, why even have a stop loss in the first place? And I know a lot of you guys do it. Trust me, I've seen plenty of emails come from you guys over the years about how you guys will put a stop loss out there, but then you ignore the stop loss. 
So I know you guys do it and you know who you are, but we can't worry about like there being some boogeyman or there's being some kind of like Bigfoot out there that's going to take us out of our stop losses. The reason why I say Bigfoot is because, yeah, we've all seen some of those infamous pictures of Bigfoot, but have we ever seen one? No. Have we heard people talk about it? Yeah. They've got documentaries about it. People like to get all excited when they talk about it, insisting that it exists. But do we know one? No. Seen one? No. Could it exist? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of woods in the United States. There's a lot of woods across the world. It might exist. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know all the species that are left to still be discovered in this world. So who knows? But it's kind of the same thing with stop-loss hunting. Have I ever been victimized by a person hunting out my stop-losses? Maybe. Did they tell me that they were hunting out my stop-losses? No. Do I know that they were? Not at all. Could they have? Maybe. You see the theme here? It's all maybes. I don't know. Nobody really knows. So I think a lot of times when we start talking about, oh, I was taken out by the market makers. They hunted out my stop losses. This is why I don't use stop losses. It's really an excuse for our bad trades. If I'm being honest, that's what I think it is. I mean, let's be honest. If we're using stop losses in our swing trade. We're going to be consistent swing traders. We're not letting swing trades turn to long-term investments because we don't like the outcome of the swing trade. So we're going to see if we hold it longer, whether or not it'll become a good long-term investment. We're not doing that. Let's say we're taking our hits every time our stop loss is being triggered. You're probably looking at, if you're a good trader, being stopped out of 40% of your trades. And I know some of you guys think, oh, that sounds awful. There's got to be better ways to trade than that. No, I mean, if you're trading 50% success, I mean, that's pretty good too, guys. So you can't get so worked up about your stop loss getting hit because it's going to be hit. I got one of my stop losses hit today. And let me tell you, I had every reason to believe that it was a result of my stop loss being hunted, if I'm to consider popular belief. And it was with PSQ. I had a one-to-one inverse ETF on the Qs. Went down to 1064, I got stopped out. It goes down to 1063, and it reverses and goes all the way back up, finishes green on the day. Well into the green. Kind of a bummer. Now, would it be easy to say, man, they knew exactly where my stop loss was and I got stopped out? Yeah, that would be very easy to say, but it's not the right answer. Look, I'm not that important and neither are you to think that the market makers really care about our stop losses. They don't. The cues are much bigger than our position. If you're trading Apple, Apple is much bigger. The volume is much bigger than what we are trading in Apple. So we can't have these lofty beliefs about what the street might think about our positions and where we're putting our stop losses. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not even worth the effort. So to wrap this up, what are we talking about here? Well, for one, sure, stop loss hunting might exist. I think it's probably going to be more with the big time firms and the banks and the big whales on Wall Street that might be more of an attractive target for somebody to go stop loss hunting. Two, don't hold high lofty beliefs about yourself that everybody's out to get your stop losses. Oftentimes, that's just an excuse for bad trading or for the fact that one cannot accept that they had their stop loss legitimately hit. It's like they need to blame somebody. Three, and actually, we haven't even talked about this, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. He talked about how he lets a lot of his investments turn into trades. Well, you got to have a reason for getting in as a trade just as much as you got to have a reason for getting in as an investment. That's why oftentimes, too, I like to separate my different 
strategies into different accounts. Like if I have a long-term account, I'm going to keep it in a long-term account, a dividends and a dividend account, swing trading and a swing trading account. Because when you mix the two, it kind of gets a little bit weird there. And just as much you don't want your long-term trades to become trades, you don't want your trades to become long-term investments. So you got to have the discipline there. you got to have a plan. That's why I'm always talking about mapping out why you're getting in, what is it from a trade standpoint that makes this an attractive move? Because really, you're usually capitalizing on one specific thing. It's getting ready to break out. It's getting ready to bounce. You can't let what was a bull flag breakout play suddenly become a long-term investment and vice versa. So if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I encourage you to leave a five-star review. That is the bread and butter for me and this podcast existence. Your ability to continue to leave positive reviews and to support this podcast through swingtradingthestockmarket.com is what allows me to do a couple of these episodes each and every week. For those here in this on its initial release, it's Thanksgiving week. So I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. And don't forget, keep sending me those questions. Ryan at shareplanner.com. I love hearing from you guys and hearing what bothers you and causes you heartache and all sorts of questions in your mind. Keep sending those to me, Ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.